Welcome to the Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? We'll be joined by RotoWire's Jerry Donavidian. What a piece of that championship! Put it in here. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Let's get it started with PJ. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. This is PJ once again. Thanks for checking us out every week. And again, you can always rate us and subscribe to the podcast as well, where you get your downloads from. And you can also follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Let's get things started right now with RotoWire.com's Jerry Donabedian. And Jerry, we're going to start off. Quarter of the season is through. So far, Jerry, who are some of those disappointments in fantasy? Uh, yeah, well, for me personally, definitely some of the uh, some of the tight ends. Uh, not not just in terms of like disappointments for the full season, but some guys who like haven't been able to hold up hot starts. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson uh, and Mark Andrews, both of whom now are dealing with injuries. Uh, but just you know, in terms of all four games, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think really really has to be the considered the biggest disappointment. I know a lot of that has been out of his control. Uh, you know, really the, the whole offense falling apart around him. And we saw on Monday night that they basically just, you know, tried to do the wildcat and the short passes to the running back. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure if any of that or how much is his fault. But in terms of the fantasy production, it's, it's hard to really see it getting too much better, uh, certainly not back to where we were expecting before the year. And Jerry, a guy I throw in the disappointment category for running backs, Joe Mixon of the Bengals. I mean, that offense has been terrible lately. I was expecting more from Mixon this year. Yeah, relative to where, relative to the draft position, Joe Mixon definitely a disappointment. Uh, that one, that one, I can't personally say I'm too surprised on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like Smith Schuster, I'm really that has really shocked me. Uh, Mixon was a guy that I'd been avoiding. Just based on the Bengals being, you know, not a good team and Giovanni Bernard, you know, stealing a little bit of that passing down work. I think that's when you're talking about fantasy, that's a dangerous combination. It's fine to share some work if you're on a good team, but if you're you're coming off the field on some of those passing downs and you're on a team that is often in that position of having to play from behind. Uh, it's it's just a little dangerous. I think we'll talk about that maybe a couple other guys later here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mixon certainly has the talent, so I think things things will get better just because they have to get better. But I think this, the ceiling is not not going to be what the the draft cost or auction cost was for people a month ago. And that's the thing. Yeah, we're at that point of the season now where we can look from where we drafted them and some of the results they're putting up, and it's like uh, I, I Aaron Jones, I guess, would be another one of those guys that I put on there because. It hasn't shown yet, but, you know, there's some glimpses that he can. He did have the one good game, I think, against the Vikings where he had over 100 yards. But, again, that, that's another thing where you drafted him, depending on where you did pick him, uh, to, to where he is now, you're probably kind of like, oh, man, what did I do? Yeah, Jones is, Jones is one who's been frustrating, inconsistent, which has kind of been the knock on him on the past, is that he has these incredible games. Uh, but the consistency isn't there, both in terms of his performance with his efficiency and the usage, uh, he might might get a little bit more of a chance to be consistent here if the Jamal Williams is out for a while, which is certainly, you know, based on how that hit looked in the game, yeah. uh, looks like he could miss some time. I know they have they have the long week after Thursday night football. I would imagine that Jones could have some extra opportunity ahead of him. Any more players you want to put in that disappointment category as we're through the first four weeks? Oh, man, I'm disappointed in the Ravens' defense. Does that count? I'm a Ravens fan. It's funny to see the Ravens ranked like in the, the top five for offense uh, and the <laughs> bottom five for defense. Yeah. I, just, I know most people, you know, probably 
probably don't care about that so much for fantasy, but personally, man, that's my biggest disappointment. Well, no, fantasy-wise, you're right with that because that defense, it's been solid for so long that you can get a pretty good fantasy play with them, you, you know, especially with some of those teams they play with Cleveland and sometimes Cincinnati or whatnot. You, you bank on the, the good points from the Ravens' defense, and, yeah, it's all opposite world this year where they actually the offense is moving the ball. Yeah, no, you've got the Patriots over there with the offense struggling yeah. uh, I think I think they'll be fine granted you know a matchup with the Bills has made every other team that's played them look bad this year too uh, and well then the defense is has been the best in the NFL uh, probably even better than the Bears and the Bears have been just as good as they were last year on defense uh, so the Patriots and you know schedules part of that uh, at some point not this week not next week either, but at some point the Patriots will have to play some real teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they have a matchup with Kansas City lingering somewhere further down the schedule, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, the Patriots are looking like that that rare team defense play where you can just, like, fire them up as a top five every week, kind of like the Bears were last season. And now, Jerry, let's look at some of the surprises in fantasy through the first quarter of the season. Uh, one guy, Tyler Lockett, uh, he's been, I think we knew he was a great player, at least a very good player based on what we saw last year. Uh, but there's kind of that skepticism of whether he was going to get enough volume. Uh, because, you know, looking in the past, it was always like, hey, this guy's good. Like, why don't, why don't you give him the ball more? But at some point, we just kind of get like, eh, like if it hasn't happened by now, is it ever going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like the week-to-week for Lockett hasn't been consistent. We saw the... Seahawks jumped out to a big lead, and he only got, I think, five targets this past week. But overall, he's averaging right around 10 per game. Like, he could he could pass last year's target total by midseason this year. And he hasn't really – I mean, the efficiency isn't quite as ridiculous as it was last year when he was, like, you know, scoring a touchdown every third catch or whatever. But it's still up near the top of the league, and he's still playing with Russell Wilson. Uh, so he's, he's one guy who I think I was looking at as more of, like, a WR3 and I think he can push sort of toward that like low-end WR1 range. Uh, so far, he's, he's been there. What about uh, some running backs that uh, have been surprises so far? Uh, Mark Ingram for the Ravens. Like I said, that Ravens uh, defense has been bad, but the offense has been better than really anyone had a right to expect. Uh, you know, this, this past week, he got a little bit frozen out because they fell, fell behind so far to the Browns. Uh, but the week before that, we saw that kind of a similar situation against the Chiefs, and they were able to keep him involved. Uh, and I think one pleasant surprise with Ingram is he hasn't really done a ton in the passing game so far, but they have been keeping him on the field for those third downs. So he is, in a sense, like protected from some of those wild swings we might see with guys who don't play in passing situations. Uh, and he has, I think the most important thing with him is that he gets to play next to Lamar Jackson. And we saw last year with Gus Edwards that, like, pretty much any, not to insult Gus Edwards, but pretty much anyone is going to average over four yards for carry uh, when the defensive ends or linebackers are forced to worry about Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, just, it just makes it so those backside guys can't crash down on the run. Uh, and there just aren't many opportunities for the defense to stuff the running back for a loss. So, you know, you're maybe not getting those huge gains, but the three or four yards at a time consistently, and Ingram has really been able to turn some of those four-yard gains into eight-yard gains in a way that Gus Edwards wasn't last year. Uh, so I think it's, Ingram maybe isn't a guy that we would think of as being a candidate to lead the league in yards per carry, 
But I think in this offensive system, he can do that. Any others you're thinking of that have been pleasant surprises so far? I don't know if Dalvin Cook counts because I think that... I do. I put him in there because of the injury history. Yeah, I, I believe that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting big things from him, but I think the the extent of really how brilliant he's looked, and not just the stats, but just like when you watch him. Yeah. Uh, he was like, wow, that guy, that guy is a difference maker. You know, some words there that, like, He's the kind of the only show in town, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Not to panic over a matchup, you know, one bad game and a matchup with the Bears, and he still did get in the end zone and catch some passes. Uh, the Vikings definitely have some issues. Uh, well, I think we're kind of getting to the point where, like, hey, that emphasis on the running game has helped Cook initially, but if they can't get a more balanced offense, like, there's not going to be any touchdowns to score if they're never yeah. near the end zone. You know, he can't. Those two long touchdown runs he had earlier in the season, those are great. But you can't count on those for fantasy. I mean, even even Saquon Barkley, you know, only is going to have one of those every third week or so. Uh, so we we need the Vikings for him to keep up like that high end RB one production. We need the Vikings to kind of get their stuff together. If they don't, I think we're going to see Cook more toward that like low end RB one uh, with maybe some of those other inconsistent guys. All right, up next, we talked about this last week. Melvin Gordon, it was announced that he would be coming back sometime. Well, then, like a day later, it was he reported the camp. So he actually did come back sooner rather than later. So he's officially back now. How do we use him? Because I've, I've heard things from Coach Lynn saying, uh, well, he's going to be a number one running back. So I, I, how do we justify using him here, I guess, in the in the next couple weeks here? I think Lynn at some point said something to the effect of, okay, you know, when he's back, he's a starter. But I don't know how, you know, I guess it's just, you just see the way that Eckler has played. And in the past, I think we talked about this last week, it's kind of been like a 70% Gordon, 30% Eckler split. Uh, And just seeing how much better Eckler is in the passing game, I just, I don't know how you go back to that extreme of a ratio. Like, I would just... Common sense kind of says it's got to be closer to 50-50, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think if you, you know, hey, if you if you are always betting on coaches to, like, have common sense with this kind of thing, you're not going to win a lot of money. It's pretty mm-hmm. pretty mixed. Um, and, you know, guys definitely have their favorites. Uh, and Gordon is certainly a much bigger player. He certainly looks the part of what, you know, teams want from an NFL running back more. Uh, Eckler being looks like the tiny scat back. We've seen him have some success running inside, maybe not quite as consistent as Gordon there. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm treating Gordon very cautiously. Um, whether or not you know you put him in a lineup, I think really depends on the other options. Like for me, for for this week, he has a good matchup against Denver, a team that really has been shockingly terrible on yeah. defense. Uh, so I think you could definitely make a case for Eckler and Gordon in lineups this week. But, you know, you're taking a risk, uh, especially, I think, with Gordon. That who knows in his first game back and how long, how much they're actually going to use him. Up next, you know, Gordon, he did slip in drafts. People were waiting to pick him up because they didn't know the status. Another guy that was slipping in drafts because of the injury was A.J. Green. A lot of people got him very late, stashed him on the bench, and then we get this story, I guess, that didn't really tell a whole lot but say he's going to be out longer. And then I'm hearing things. He's frustrated with the Bengals. He may want out. And then I'm hearing reports that he might be traded somewhere. So, a lot of weird A.J. Green stories have come out with, I, I don't know, not with a lot of facts to base to them, but just a lot of talk this week. So where are we with that and some of the Bengals fallout and how 
how terrible they looked on Monday night. Yeah, well, I have I have green stash in a few leagues, uh, and I'm like, I'm not. I it's if I could go back in time, I would undo that decision. Okay. I, I didn't necessarily, you know, spend a ton in auction or a high draft pick to get him. But I think at this point, I'm kind of like, well, I've already waited it out four weeks. I know it's a sunk cost, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I'm kind of kind of going through that in my head now. Uh, in one league, I've got him in an IR spot that I can't put anyone else in anyway. So like there, it's like whatever. Might as well, might as well ride with it for another week or two. But yeah, like you said, the Bengals. I mean, even before Monday night, look at what the 49ers did to them. Uh, look at the way their offense struggled. Uh, they had a couple big plays earlier in the year, but yeah. they really no consistency with it being able to have a running game or a short passing game moving the chains. Uh, they basically had a couple big plays to John Ross, and when that didn't happen, nothing worked. Uh, I just, you know, if Green does come back, he's going to get targets, and he's a very talented player. But the situation is such a mess. Um, I don't see him rushing back from injury to play for a team that clearly has no shot getting anywhere near the playoffs. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, the trade thing is probably the most interesting. I think yeah. if you're holding them for fantasy, yeah. that's probably that's probably what I'm hoping for at this point. But it's you know, it's there's definitely some stuff that might need to be worked out there. I know Mike Brown, the Bengals owner, is like famously loyal to his favorite players, and you know Green has kind of been along with Dalton the face of that franchise for the past decade. So the Bengals might have some hesitance to make a move that's kind of like a pretty clear waving the white flag rebuilding, uh, especially looks bad because I think a lot of people this past off season were saying, you know, with the new coaching staff coming in, coming off a few bad years in a row that they should have been rebuilding. Uh, and they, they didn't really, they kind of tried to make like one last run with the old gang and it's, you know, blowing up pretty spectacularly in their yeah. faces to be quite honest. So sometimes uh, it's, it's hard to, hard to see when it's time to move on. So, not necessarily counting on it, but I think uh, I think AJ Green and I are are both hoping for a trade maybe at this point. I, I think a lot of us are because yeah, I did the same thing too. He was available in the tenth, eleventh round, and I grabbed him. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, hoping for that change. I mean, that's an, uh, that's another thing that's going to be interesting to watch here in the next couple of weeks with that trade deadline coming up. I know they want to make it more exciting, like in baseball and the NBA and whatnot. If I remember last year, they they had some pretty good deals go down. That's the thing, fantasy-wise, we're going to have to keep an eye on here in the next couple of weeks because that's going to be looming here soon as well. Yeah, there's, I think the, the trading in the NFL has picked up the past few years. I yeah. remember if you go back to like 10 years ago. It was like, nothing. Yeah. yeah, maybe like one or two impactful <laughs> trades per year. Yeah. Uh, we've got some – definitely the, the Eagles are one team that's been active wheeling and dealing. The Patriots, uh, not as much a few years back, but the last couple of years. Uh, and we, we know they already – tried to bring in Antonio Brown. Uh, well, they did bring him in. Yeah, a little they did. Bit. <laughs> in a roundabout way. I wonder way. how much, like, in, when you look back at his career, uh, like his, you know, case for the Hall of Fame or whatever, it's going to be a, a yeah. very odd. What, what did happen with Antonio Brown in 2019? <laughs> uh, I wonder if people even remember that he was on the Raiders. Uh, maybe because of hard knocks. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You had three teams within about four months span. Could be four. Yeah. I don't. I you know it's, it seems like no one would want to take a chance on him, but yeah. like 
never know. We, yep. how many, I mean, Kareem Hunt got cut by one team and then signed by a team that didn't even need a running back two months later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're, that storyline will be in fantasy here in a couple of weeks as well. So I mean, Oh, yeah. See, I, for, I forgot yeah. about that <laughs> Yeah, one. exactly. I mean, that's the other thing with the trade. You know, the trades and now guys coming off the suspension list. You know, Golden Tate's now available if you have them in some of your leagues. That might be more of an attractive option now than it was just – you know, start when you were drafting because of Danny Dimes there. Yeah, I think we talked about that last week or two weeks ago even. Yeah. Like, hey, anything, if you're a Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate now owner, like, you wanted some kind of change, anything to mix it up. Uh, and we've seen that with Jones now. Uh, Ingram just had a quiet week, partially because the Redskins just kind of spotted the Giants a big lead and they just ran the clock out the whole second half. Shepard just had seven catches in back-to-back games, something he'd never done before. Uh, he's been a guy who's had those blow-up games, but not the consistency, uh, even in the past when Beckham was out and he had the extra opportunity. So, yeah, there's kind of an interesting situation going on there with the Giants, where Tate is coming back this week, and he's primarily been a slot guy. Shepard also has primarily been a slot guy. Um, but two years ago, or last year, he played outside too and his efficiency in terms of like yards per target yards per route the frequency with which he was targeted was actually pretty similar outside compared to the slot and so i think their initial plan when they signed golden tate and they didn't know that he was going to be suspended was to put him in the slot and move shepherd outside uh, and have him taking some of those downfield looks that have been going to odell beckham uh so i think i think if you're a shepherd owner which i am in a few leagues it's it's a little worrying because just because he's doing so well with role right now um but I, but i also think they're going to find some ways to get both of those guys in the slot uh where maybe they you know split instead of having ingram in tight to the formation or in the slot on some of those passing plays they'll split him out wide and then have both tate and shepherd working over the middle of the field and then have the bigger guys latimer and ingram outside uh, which could be could be really tough to defend uh so it'll be a lot tougher to defend when it's the Quan Barkley instead of Wayne Coleman at running yes. back. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, so that that actually looks like, especially once they get Barkley back, like it could be a pretty dangerous offense. <laughs> Who would have thought uh, oh, coming into the season? We would have thought that. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Jones is Jones has been sloppy with the ball. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be. I mean, he's you know he's a rookie and he was playing with as people say at Duke last year. He was playing with a bunch of like accountants and lawyers basically. <laughs> like none of the guys he's playing with are in the, are going to be in the NFL. So there's definitely an adjustment to the speed of the game. Uh, and last week against the Redskins, he threw two picks, and then he had two other passes that actually hit defenders in the hand. Uh, he also made some great throws. So he's kind of been like the talented but inconsistent rookie. So that's not uh, kind of like we see with like Jameis Winston. It's like it's actually not so bad for like if you're a fantasy owner of the pass catchers. Like you know he puts up a bunch of yards and some touchdowns, and he throws an interception. Now they're losing; they have to keep throwing the ball around. Uh, so Jones himself maybe not a consistent asset, but we could see the could see the pass catches and running backs there producing pretty regularly. Again, joined by Jerry Donabedian, RotoWire.com. You did mention Jameis Winston there, so I'm going to go into it. The Buccaneers, the big offensive surprise this past week in fantasy, they put up a ton of points against the Rams. How much can we trust this offense? We heard in the offseason, Bruce Arians, he wants to throw the ball around, and last week was an indication of that. In fact, the last couple of weeks, pretty good performances by Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So will this continue? How much can we trust this Tampa Bay offense? Yeah, that was, I mean, that game was, uh, that was in a week where it seemed like everything that happened was a surprise. That, above all else, 
you know, what the Bucks did to a Rams defense that had been dominant really through three weeks and particularly dominant against the pass. If anything, they had struggled a little against the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't expect to see Jameis Winston and Chris Godwin just run circles around them like that. Like, yeah, to me, I mean, the Raiders going into Indianapolis and beating up on the Colts, the Titans going to Atlanta, beating up on the Falcons. Okay, surprising, but like, you know, yeah. you, can, you can find an explanation for it. There's certainly some pretty obvious deficiencies with those Atlanta and Indianapolis teams right now. But Jameis Winston doing that to the Rams defense, just that's just one of those things that doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me. I keep trying to come up with an explanation for it, uh, and I think – you know, you don't. I, I'm not going to say, oh, just you know, it was just a fluke. Throw it out. I mean, you've got to be doing some things right to go on the road and play that well against a good defense. Uh, and we had seen, you know, the Bucks did have uh, some mistakes, but a big game on offense against the Giants, and that they had looked pretty decent against the Panthers in a win. Uh, so yeah, I think I, I still don't trust Winston. I mean, look, we're talking about a guy who's been in the league five years now, uh, and in terms of interception rate. For pass attempts, he's never been better than 20th. Uh, if he was going to stop throwing, and even this year, he's already thrown five. Uh, and even in his great games through the pick six uh, that let the Rams back into it, like if the guy was going to was going to stop turning the ball over, it would have happened by now. I don't think Bruce Arians can fix that. But if you're, you know, if you've got Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, or some people even have both, like I think you're sitting pretty right now. It's, you know, Winston is going to put up yards. He's going to throw for some touchdowns. Uh, it's still iffy whether they're going to get the running game established. We know the defense isn't going to be a great unit, uh, even though they've got Shaquille Barrett like pushing for the. I think he has the record for like most sacks in a player's first four games. Yeah. But other than that, the defense doing nothing. Uh, so yeah, as a, if you've got Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, like that's a nice spot to be in. Uh, and Winston may be one of those guys who's better for fantasy than real life. I think he's <laughs> it's still going to be the roller coaster with him. Uh, and this this week, playing on the road in New Orleans against a defense that is kind of doing its usual thing, where it looks terrible out of the gates, then like gets it together. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him go all the way back in the other direction and throw a bunch of picks and get shut down. <laughs> but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him 400 yards and four touchdowns. So I think uh, if if you're willing to take that risk and got some reliable guys in other spots of the lineup. It can make sense to go with Winston. And once again, you go through, uh, you you pick through the games and you look for some hidden things going on. The week four hidden stat line uh, preview, it's up right now, rotowire.com. Give us a little uh, preview of uh, what you found out this week. Yeah, there was some, some good stuff to dig through this week. Uh, the Thursday night game especially, which is nice because you know, get to really watch it closely and then dig through the stats afterward. There's no other games going on at the time. Um, one thing with the Eagles, Zach Ertz has been getting targets. He hasn't been doing great with them. His, uh, his snaps in this game were actually down to 76%, which is the second lowest number he played in any game since the beginning of last season. Uh, and his, also his routes, like his, you know, how often he was going out for a pass. Uh, out of 29 dropbacks for Carson Wentz, only 20 routes for Ertz. So you know, he, not only was he coming off the field sometimes, but he was sometimes coming off in passing plays. In the past, usually if he was off the field, uh, you know, they were resting him on a running play where they didn't need him. Uh, and then Dallas Goddard was not only working with Ertz in two tight end formations, but he was the guy that was coming on, you know, on some of those passing plays when Ertz was coming off. And Goddard, you know, a great prospect, a guy who hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities, but did a really nice job with what he was handed last year. 
caught, I think, 70% of his targets and had, like, four touchdowns on 30 catches. Uh, so I think, you know, with Ertz, you're not going to bench him, but he is a guy where you look at maybe he has one big game and the usage doesn't change. Might be a sell-high candidate. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's not going to be hugely disappointing, but I just think between, you know, Goddard taking more snaps and Deshaun Jackson's going to be back eventually, Alshon Jeffrey's back, the Eagles seem to actually have the running game they were missing last year. Like all these factors that contribute to Earth having a career year last year, uh, they're, they're kind of going out the window. Uh, apart from him being a talented player, that's staying the same. I'll give him credit for that, definitely. Uh, none of this is like a matter of him not being good. Uh, but just those, that surrounding context that led to him getting a career high 156 targets, uh, sort of seeing it evaporate, even if it hasn't quite shown up in the target numbers because the Eagles had so many players missing Goddard, Jackson, Jeffrey to injury weeks one through three, uh, and Jackson still. So he's a guy who, if I, you know, if I had him, which I don't really anywhere, I'd be, I'd be looking to sell high if, if that's still an option. All right, Jerry, as we head into week five, who are some of those running backs you like this week? Uh, so we actually just talked about those Eagles running backs, uh, and I like which I really one like do you Jordan pick, Howard. Though? I mean, how can yeah. you not after he had... Yeah. He had three touchdowns last week, over 100 scrimmage yards. We even saw him get involved in the passing game, which has always been the knock on him. Uh, granted, he did drop a pass in addition to catching three. Uh, but, yeah, he, he played over half the snaps for the first time this year. Uh, Miles Sanders was still involved, but Darren Spoles, I think, only played about like eight or ten snaps. He basically fell out of the game plan to allow it to just be like a clean two-way split between Howard and Sanders. Rather than that classic three-way Doug Peterson split that's been frustrating for so many years, I can't can't promise that Sproles will stay out of the picture, but it does seem like there's been a general trend toward minimizing his role. And now you look at the Eagles coming in 14-point favorites against at home this week against the Jets team that is either going to have Luke Falk at quarterback or like Sam Darnold still probably only 90% healthy from Mono um, and not not great talent around him. So I think the Eagles and the Jets defense actually hasn't been terrible, but I think the Eagles are going to be in a situation where they're protecting a lead in the second half, and they're really able to give the ball to Howard and also to Sanders. I think this could be a, a backfield where we see two guys have productive fantasy outings this week. I think you're picking between the two. You've got to favor Sanders because he got more work and played better the past couple of weeks. But I could also see Sanders coming through. A wide receiver, who you like in uh, this week? I like Larry Fitzgerald this week. He's probably I, – I really like anyone. I think we've, we've touched on this theme pretty much every week. Like, anyone who's playing against the Bengals. Um, <laughs> yep. It's really – it's hard to go wrong. They've been, they've been more spectacularly bad at guarding running backs than other positions. Uh, but they've really been very bad against quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends as well. Um, and, yeah, I think when you look at the Cardinals, they're also a very bad team. That could be a little bit closer of a game than we've been accustomed to seeing with the Bengals and with it being in Cincinnati. I think Kyler Murray set up for a really nice game. Christian Kirk, the Cardinals' other main receiver, uh, is injured. It's not, not clear that he's going to miss the game, but he might be less than 100% even if he is. I think Larry Fitzgerald working over the middle of the field against the safety has gotten, or a defense that's gotten some really suspect play from its safeties, and, and basically just no play from its linebackers. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Like, the Cincinnati linebackers are, like, on a, a Dolphins level of incompetence. Uh, they've got Preston Brown and Nick Vigil there, 
who would just have been a mess. We saw the Steelers just run all over them with the Wildcat and those short passes to running back. Uh, so, yeah, I think you know, David Johnson obviously has the, he has the better matchup, but I think he's a guy you're starting every week at this point anyway. So if you had to pick a quarterback this week for Daily Fantasy, get a good value out of him, uh, who are you looking at this week? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick right there with that Arizona-Cincinnati game. I think Kyler Murray, and then as tough as it is, I think, I think very few people are going to want to do this. Uh, but when you look at the matchup, Andy Dalton does actually have some upside there. Yeah, uh, and we, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's you know, it's a, it's a tough play to have you know confidence in. But if you're looking at you know some of these like you know on DraftKings or FanDuel, some of these huge tournaments uh, where you're trying to get sometimes players that aren't as popular picks, yep. uh, Dalton is going to be cheap. He's in an offense that loves to throw the ball. He's playing against a team that loves to throw the ball. So just looking at you know, if there's a lot of a lot of passing usually means higher play volume in the game, more opportunities. Uh, and, you know, the Cardinals haven't looked quite as bad as the Bengals, but, you know, they're an 0-3-1 and team that's been outscored by more than 10 points per game. Uh, they, they got humiliated by the Seahawks at home. I think that, that flew a little more under the radar because it was in that, like, 4 p.m. time slot yeah. where, you know, everyone kind of saw what happened to the Bengals. Uh, but the, the Cardinals really weren't much better last week. So, yeah, I think Dalton – and Kyler Murray, it's like one of those, like, uh, you know, whatever the the opposite of, like, an unstoppable force <laughs> and uh, immovable Movable object. object yes. Like, well, something has to happen. The defenses can't stop anyone. The offenses can't score. But we can't. you, you can't just punt on for, back to each other on first down every play. So <laughs> something's going to happen, uh, and I think it'll be the defenses kind of screwing up just as much as the offense <laughs> is my guess. Over at uh, tight end, who do you like uh, this week, their matchup? So I like, I actually mentioned uh, Dallas Goddard before. Uh, with the Eagles having that trend of moving towards more two tight end formations and away from the three wide receiver set. It's probably going to be a little bit of a deeper league play. I think most people won't want to take the risk there. Uh, but also, you know, with playing against the Jets as a heavy home favorite, uh, they're going to have a bunch of touchdown opportunities. We've seen that Goddard is a guy who gets more involved near the goal line last season and then also last week against the Packers. So maybe maybe viewed as more of like a deep league desperation play, but I would actually put him right in that like tight end streaming mix, uh, somewhere in that like 10 to 15 range at the position, at least for this week, maybe in terms of long term. They'll have to see how that works out between him and Goddard and Jeffrey and Jackson's targets. Uh, and then another guy, I, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to the Bengals. I mean, <laughs> but Tyler Eifert has that famous tight end against the Arizona Cardinals matchup that we've seen work out incredibly well every week so far. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Will Disley, and Greg Olson all had their best games of the. Well, Disley had his second best game this season, but the other guys all scored a touchdown. Uh, three of them had 70-plus yards. Disley fell a little short of that. Uh, but, yeah, if ever there's going to be a week for Tyler Eifert to get going, it's this matchup against his Cardinals team that just can't cover the middle of the field at all. Well, before we move to defense, I just got this notification saying that Tyree Kiln, he's, he's now listed as questionable as this week. So I know there was a report out uh, last week saying he could be back in two weeks, but now they it looks like they upgraded his condition for Sunday night against the Colts. I don't know if he'll play, but I'm 
for we haven't mentioned the Chiefs yet, the number one of the number one teams in fantasy. So I mean, that's a very encouraging sign uh, coming into this week that it looks like for sure, if not this week, next week he'll be back. Yeah, I would. I think that you know, sitting at four and zero and uh, hosting, playing a home game against an Indianapolis team struggling a little right now, I would think they'll err on the side of caution and wait another week. Um, but you know, either way, he's going to be back soon. He's ahead of whatever the original timetable was. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure if this was a playoff game this week, it sounds like he'd be fine to play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost unfair. Like they, <laughs> even line, they showed a little bit of like last week against the Lions, like, while they kind of saw that, okay, they could use Tyreek Hill. It's not just like, Oh, mm-hmm. their offense is so good. They don't even need him. We saw the Lions be able to slow them down a little bit, but even then, I mean, it was a lot of it was just fumbles. And then when the game was really on the line, we saw Pat Mahomes do his usual thing. Uh, and yeah, the fact, I guess the, the, the consolation there is that for like, uh, you know, fans of other AFC teams is that at least the Patriots have uh, a scary challenger. It's <laughs> yeah. not, uh, not entirely clear that the Patriots are the favorite. Uh, so I think a lot of us are sick of seeing the Patriots just kind of running away with it every year. Yeah. Uh, and the Chiefs, Chiefs might actually, I think once they have Hill back, He's a slightly better team, maybe not quite as balanced in terms of offense and defense, uh, but that'll be that that Patriots defense versus Chiefs offense matchup uh, is the the big one to schedule for this entire season, and probably probably one we'll get to see twice for a second straight year in the playoffs. And finally, we'll get to those streaming defenses. All right, who do we like this week? I'm uh, just going to keep picking on the Jets here. The Eagles are actually owned uh, unowned in a lot of fantasy leagues. Because they played in Green Bay last week, we know Aaron Rodgers is like historically great at avoiding turnovers. So usually you're not going to want to play defense against him. So the Eagles had been owned in a lot of leagues, but were dropped. Uh, so they're available against the Jets. I think some people have hopped on that now. So like my second choice then is the Tennessee Titans home against the Bills. Titans coming off a really nice performance in Atlanta against Matt Ryan. Uh, generally, for a couple of years now, have been like this, like good, but totally boring defense like they're not really not not a team that's going to get a ton of attention they're not dominant the way like the bears or patriots defense are but they're steady they've got a little bit weak at cornerback uh, but you look at the bills this week with josh allen playing terribly and now maybe out in favor of matt barkley uh, i mean allen's playing poorly enough that i almost you know for in terms of this defense because i almost don't really care whether it's him or barkley uh, maybe maybe give a slight advantage to the Titans if it does end up being Barkley. Uh, but, yeah, the Titans are home favorites in a game that I think has the lowest or second lowest over-under of the week uh, in a spot that also should work nice for Derrick Henry. The Bills having such a good pass defense and mediocre against the run. So I think really that it should be a good week for Henry and the Titans' defense rather than any of the uh, – quarterbacks or receivers in that game and if people need more help with week five i know you always got the article ready to go to help them with their matchups right you're still working on that for this week yep yep matchups article will be out on rotowire and then my dfs tournament strategy guide will be out friday morning and uh always happy to respond to any questions under my columns Uh, Start decisions, trades, whatever, uh, or on Twitter as well. Well, Jerry, again, thank you very much for your time here, and we'll uh, talk to you again next week. All right. I'll catch you then, Paul. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftToThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.